0: When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and I answered them as best I could. They also called me Padre. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, where today we're looking at an imprecatory psalm, an imprecatory psalm, Psalm 109. Might be good to read it before uh, you hear it, but if not, just uh, listen along. The psalm that we read today or chanted today and sung together is classified as an imprecatory psalm or a psalm with cursing in it. It is um, pretty harsh, pretty serious, pretty vexed. It is full of passion, anger, and a desire for revenge. These are sacred texts not only for Christians, but for Jewish people as well. And in the Psalms, uh, this is one of the sticking points. I have my Psalm mug here today that says coffee consumption to Psalm ratio. Psalm 88 is at the top. Psalm 150 is at the bottom. It's sort of a cheerier Psalm. Once you get down there, you can be a little happier. Psalm 88 is up here. And Psalm 109 would be way up here somewhere in its vexation. It is the psalm that the early church, the apostles, quote, when they are left with a dilemma of an absent place in the council of apostles, or in the 12 apostles. When Judas dies, there is a vacuum of in the 12, and they decide what to do based on one of the verses from Psalm 109. And the verse specifically is, Let his days be few, and let another take his office. Using this psalm, hearing in this psalm an echo of someone who has stumbled and fallen and done great damage to others, pretty hard to avoid the realization and the reality that Judas got an innocent man killed. He himself said that after it was done. I have betrayed innocent blood, he says. And Judas ends his own life in great shame and horror. And the early church is left with that both the loss of their friend, companion, and also left with the harsh reality of his actions and his plots over time. And so this part of Psalm 109 comes to them, set a wicked man against him, let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is judged, let another be found guilty and let his appeal be in vain. A normal response to betrayal A normal response to someone doing us something terrible, betraying us, hurting us, hurting those we love, a normal response is anger. It's not a sin to be angry. It's not a sin to be upset when someone does something terrible to us. Now, maybe later we can kind of rationalize what happened to us Work through it in cognitive behavioral therapy. Reframe it a little bit. Maybe look at what they were suffering at the time or what they were going through at the time. But in reality, when we go through betrayals and heartache and abuse and trauma at someone else's hand or because of someone else's actions, we're going to have real emotions. And the psalmist captures that in Psalm 109. This is the view from the bottom not the view from the top. This is the cry of those who have experienced injustice and cannot do anything about it. When the psalmist cries out, I'm innocent, O God, or what they're accusing me of is wrong. For instance, in Psalm 109, the mouth of the deceitful is opened against me. They're lying about me. They encompass me with hateful words. Despite of my love, they accuse me. But as for me, I'll pray for them. And here's what I pray. So, one of the responses to evil done against us is anger and prayer, taking it to God, all our emotions. There is not one single feeling, emotion, feeling of desire for revenge. There is not one feeling in our hearts that God cannot handle. I want to say that again. There is not one feeling or any feeling, there is nothing inside us, our hearts, that God can't handle, that God can't hear, that God can't listen to. So many of us, perhaps if you were raised in Christianity, were are told there are certain things you can't say to God, God will be upset, God will be unhappy with you if you say these things, and yet when we read the Bible, we read God's people crying out to God for vengeance, for deliverance, for, a ju- for justice. This is a normal response to evil that is done against us. And this is the cry of the powerless the world over. As refugees, refugees stumble down the road, as they've lost their homes, they pray these psalms. As people are led into prisons, they pray these psalms. As people are experiencing the loss of of trust, and what they thought was reality, they they pray these psalms. And we pray these psalms with them, with the church. Because Jesus is praying these psalms with us. He was despised and rejected. He was falsely accused. He was betrayed. He was left to hang on a cross on a Friday afternoon for all the world to mock and ridicule. Jesus feels this, Jesus feels what you're feeling if you're feeling these feelings today. Because ultimately, his example is the one that we follow. And these psalms are a sign, an indication, a message from the past to us that says, it's okay to have feelings. It's okay to feel things. It's okay to turn those feelings into words and poetry and anger. It's okay to be honest about how we are really doing, because it is only when we face the facts of who we are that we can ever change who we are. It is when we face reality that we can change reality. It is what Jesus showed us, how he did it, by his example, that we follow. Amen. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Lord Jesus Christ, who did stretch out thine arms of love on the hard wood of the cross, that everyone might come within the reach of thy saving embrace, so clothe us in thy spirit that we, reaching forth our hands in love, may bring those who do not know thee to the knowledge and love of thee, for the honor of thy name. Amen.